Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and this week we are looking at a movie that came out in 1984, Good Old Children of the Corn. And it was actually a pretty good time. Thank you, Derek. I guess this week is my good friend, Derek, returning to the podcast for the umpteenth time. Uh, I can't get enough of this stuff. Also, again, Ryan, you just need more friends. It's true. It's true, you know. So yes, Derek's back with us to watch Children of the Corn because he reserved Children of the Corn 5. So I, so I did this to myself. Yeah, so I'm making him watch the first one to as penance for doing this to me. Worth it. I hope so. So Children of the Corn... I've seen all 10 of these movies. Yes, there's 10 of them. I don't know why. All from a short story you told me, by the way. Yep. The, uh, the original is a short story by Stephen King, which was turned into a movie and nine sequels for some reason. Eh, whatever. This movie is... is, is it's, it's meh. It's okay. It's, yeah, it's okay. I'd say it's an okay film. Yeah, we can't recommend it, but if you're going to go watch horror movies, this is far from the worst one you'll see. I'll give it a mild recommendation. Like, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's okay. I mean, with that being said, we're not a review podcast here, yep. but I really like Bert. Yes. Bert is, Bert is so much fun. The, the best part of this movie is we have a great main character. He's Bert is a lot of fun, played by Peter Horton. So that that's the best part, I think, of this for me is that Bert is such a great character. And we'll talk about him more in a little bit once we get into the movie. Um, but Derek, this was your first time seeing it. This is my first time seeing it. I had no idea what it was about. I had I had seen just the fifth one. Just the fifth. And one. and this was back when uh, Ryan and I roomed in college. Again, just happened to watch this movie together. Really? Well, we watched five together. How did we watch it? Why did we watch it? Well, I'm pretty sure you didn't watch it with me. I thought you said you saw it on TV one day. Did I? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I I didn't watch this. One. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about the Children of the Corn movies one day, and you shocked the hell out of me by saying you had seen the fifth one with Eva Mendes. I just assume every bad movie I've ever watched has been with you. But yes, okay. I'm so, not guilty for this. So never mind. Yeah, the, I had just seen Children of the Corn five, which again, as Ryan just stated, had Eva Mendes in it, and I'm like, what are you doing here, Ghost Rider and Fast and the Furious co-star? <laughs> like Hitch co-star? What are you doing here? I would later come to find out that there are many very famous people who had their start in horror. Yep. Almost everybody did a horror movie at some point or another. But I decided I'm going to sit down and watch this pile of crap movie because it's got Eva Mendes in it. And it didn't disappoint in the worst way possible. Yes. That's a very... As far as I can remember, that's one of the better sequels, I think. I think it's a lot of fun. So I got lucky then. Um, but but That's with, the one I remember the most, I think. Yeah. So with that, when you were starting to do this, I'm just thinking, okay, I, I need to reserve that one. I think that was my first reserve. That was the very first reserve. Halloween so. 1 to Children of the Corn 5. Oh, boy. So here we are. We're talking about the original from 1984. The point of this podcast is to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies. And so far, we have a list of rules, which you can find on our Twitter account, at HowToHorror, where we have our 35 rules. That we have so far and what we're going to do is go through the entire plot of this movie beat by beat decision by decision and see if we need to add any new rules and kind of just critique how our main characters do in the film at the very end we'll give out awards for who did the best job of following the rules and who did the worst job not too many characters to choose from this time around 
No. Very small cast. But we'll go over some awards. But the point is, we're going to be spoiling the entire plot of this movie. So if you're spoiler-averse, go watch the movie first. I think this one is fine if you go watch the movie first. It's it's fun enough. Yeah. If you're someone who likes horror and you've just never seen this one for some reason, like I said, far from the worst one you'll see. It's a good time, especially because the main character is pretty great. Yes. So yeah, go watch Turn of the Corn, come back and listen to this podcast. But spoiler alert, you have been warned. Derek, anything else before we jump into this movie? I got nothing. Let's do it. All right, let's head out to Nebraska and go out to the Children of the Corn. Okay, so the movie begins in Gatlin, Nebraska. And you know we're in for a fun time because we're in Nebraska. No. Sorry, Nebraskites, Nebraskonians. Nebraskans. I think even Nebraskans know that there's just the worst state to drive through. Yes. It doesn't get any worse. Believe me, I've, as someone who's driven through Nebraska twice, no. Yeah, four times for me. No. It's a no from me, dog. So in Gatlin, there's a corn drought going on. Things aren't great in this town. And this opening sequence takes place three years before the main plot of this movie. And we don't get a ton of information exactly about what happens. But we meet our character, Job, who's just a young little boy. And he's the only kid in church that day with all the adults in town. And we learn that the rest of the kids are out with somebody named Isaac. Don't really know what that means. And then Job also has a sister, Sarah, who's homesick with a fever. And after church, Job and his dad go out to a diner, and this other kid, Malachi, who's this kind of bigger kid with red hair, is there with a few other ones. And then outside, there's another kid, and we see Isaac for the first time, who's wearing a weird kind of farmer's hat, a black farmer hat. And Isaac gives Malachi a signal, and the kids lock the door. And then all of a sudden, all the adults in there, or a lot of the adults in there, they're drinking coffee, all fall over dead, because somebody poisoned the coffee. And they proceed to stab and kill the rest of the adults in here, including Job's father. Out of nowhere, all the adults in this diner are just dead. And I don't think any of them had a chance, really. No, there's really nothing to, to speak of here. You could make an argument for, like, constant vigilance because there was something creepy going on here. But, I mean, they're kids in Nebraska. They don't have anything to do. One dude was playing pinball, like, and then another guy's just being a creep outside the window. Like, there's no chance. The only thing I can think of is Job mentions that his father does not like Isaac, and that's why Job was not allowed to go out to the corn with Isaac. So, Isaac, basically what happened is... They convinced all the kids in the town to murder their parents and all the other adults because they were not worshiping the correct way, basically. Their, their style of worship was not working. And Isaac basically created a cult of children, murdered all the adults. So the question is, how much did the parents know and the adults know what was going on with Isaac and those kids? We don't know. We don't see it. But clearly the whole town was chill with whatever they were doing. So either A, they didn't know, or B, they were foolish and naive. I don't know which. I can't say. Yeah, you know, and I'd never thought about that before because typically parents are at least somewhat in the know of what they're going on. And only a couple of these kids are in their upper teens and really have that independence that you lose that connection with your kid or with your parent. So granted, this this little murderous coup that took place was mostly undertaken by these older teens. So we don't even know how much the younger kids would have known on all this, but... Either way, this is a whole lot of naivety and uh, removal of the parents here. There there could have been something preemptive, but if you drop them in right here in this moment, it's already too late. Yeah, all the kids are armed and ready to go. Nobody has got time to react or grab any weapons to fight back. They, all the people in this diner are screwed, I think. Um, with the information we have, nothing we can say. But they wipe out all but one of the adults in town, and we'll get to him later. But in the meanwhile, back at 
the how uh, Sarah and Job's house. Sarah's asleep and she's having like a premonition and draws in her sleep everything that's happening, all of the murders. So to set up that, Sarah has visions of some kind. Cut to three years later, we're in a motel somewhere, and we meet Bert and Vicky, our two main characters. And Vicky's played by Linda Hamilton of Terminator, Sarah Connor. And if you've seen Terminator, you're just like, oh, hi, Sarah Connor. And honestly, she's kind of a nothing character. Kind of. Unfortunately, I wanted yeah. more. Yeah, she doesn't get much to do. And it's, yeah, it's, it's not her fault, and it's not her character's fault. It, but just... She spends half the movie captive. Yeah. What, what can you do? But our lead character is Bert, who is just the best. Because Bert does not give a fuck. And... I remember it. He's a medical doctor, yep. and he had an apprenticeship or an internship or something. In Seattle. In Seattle. So they're on their way to Seattle. Yeah, because he was going to start actually doing full-on doctor work yeah, now. It's a good job. So this is what he'd been working toward. So they, they are moving. Their boyfriend and girlfriend, they are moving to Seattle. Basically, the thing is, Vicky really wants him to propose marriage, but he hasn't done it yet. Classic commitment issues. He's, Bert's got some commitment issues. But Bert just has this doesn't-give-a-fuck attitude the entire movie, and it's hilarious. And I love Bert. Bert. Bert is a great lead character. He doesn't follow the rules so good. No. But he's so much fun. Yeah, it's it, you don't really care because he's so entertaining along the way. It's Bert's birthday, and Vicky gives him a lighter for his birthday. They only have a few days to get to Seattle before he starts his new job, so they got to hit the road. And they enter Nebraska. Um, my condolences. And they even say, welcome to Nebraska. And then neither of them say anything after that. <sighs> Yeah. Because what else do you say? Entering Nebraska when you're driving east-west across, it's the most, like, horrific feeling because you just know there's nothing. And then even going west-east when you're coming out of that uh, northeastern part of Colorado, you're just like, ugh. such a long way to go. Because northeastern Colorado is nothing to... Yeah, northeastern Colorado is a terrible drive, too. And when you're coming east, you finally make it out of Colorado, that horrible stretch of Colorado, just to enter Nebraska. And you're just like, oh... Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) This hasn't even begun. (laughs) Now, I will say, though, there's a couple more things that we'll get maybe back at the town here. But there's a moment when Bert and Vicky are driving along and they say, well, at least we know the back roads aren't any more interesting than the main highway. It's a lie. We can, Ryan and I can confirm this is not true. We took a left off of uh, 75. Or 70. Was it 70? 70, 75, whatever. 70. Nebraskans, you know the one. The one interstate that runs through your The one road. Uh, We turned left. And went north through Nebraska. And we were like, whoa, hills? There's a couple of hills. Terrain? There's a few towns. Blind spots? Towns? There's stuff to look at. It was was insane. So we had a much better time taking the back roads to Nebraska than we did the freeway. Yes. But we're lucky we didn't run into the children of the corn on that drive. And we did stop at a little spit of a town, and that was a little spooky town. Yep. And there was another town that I think was, what, four people, five people? Yeah, we went through a town population four or five or It something. was one house on the left side of the road. I'm like, what happens when those kids, like, go to college? Do they change the sign? It's a ghost town. Whose tax dollars pay for that? <laughs> so we cut back to Gatlin, and we're back with Job and Sarah, you know, three years later, and another boy named Joseph who's a little bit older than the two of them, because Job and Sarah are pretty young. They're hiding amongst some barns and houses, and Joseph's is going to run away. The three of them are the th- kind of the three outsiders here. They all hate it in Gatlin. They don't like Isaac and Malachi and their leadership and how fucked up this whole thing is. So good on them. They, they want to get out, because we're going to introduce a new rule here. Rule number 36, cults are bad. Cults are bad. Cults are bad. That's the theme of this whole movie, is cults are bad. And this is a cult. And, and as for how to follow this rule, it's really simple. One... 
you know, there's not joining a cult. Mm -hmm. Two, if you're aware of a cult, don't go near the cult. Avoid the cult. Three, don't anger the cult. Just leave. Go away. Cults are bad. Cults are bad. Stay away from cults, people. If you're in a group that says they're not a cult, it's probably a cult. It's a good rule of thumb. If they have to explain it. It's kind of like MLM. If they have to tell you it's not a pyramid scheme. It's probably a pyramid scheme. It's probably a pyramid scheme. If you have to claim you're not a cult, you're a cult. If you're not a cult, you never have to say it. People just know. Yeah. So cults are bad. That's the new rule. Rule number 36 is cults are bad. So the three of them are, are just kind of done, but Joseph is going to run away and try and get help. Bring bring back help to rescue Job and Sarah. Admirable. Mm-hmm. Probably good Probably good thing. Rule number 11 is get out. Get out! Time to go, man. Yeah. And, you know, if he doesn't make it, it's not like he had anything that he could do there anyway. Yeah. At least you went out trying. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if the cult takes over your entire town and there's no no real allies left and you you try and run for it, you know, at least you tried. Yeah. You know, you, the odds are the odds are long and the odds are not in your favor. Yeah. So Joseph has Job and Sarah look out for him to make sure nobody's watching him and they shout, "Yeah, nobody's watching. You're good." Uh, don't give away your position. Yeah, that is don't shout your plan either. Yeah. We got two rule violations here. Rule number nine is be careful what you say, especially how loud you say it. And then <laughs> rule number 26 is don't give away your position. Job and Sarah are extremely loud here and give up Jacob's spot. And who knows if this is what ended up leading to Joseph's death, but it didn't help anything. And it's hard because we're dealing with, what, maybe a six and a nine-year-old here? Something like that. They're, they're young. So we obviously can't hold them to the same standards as an adult, but a rule violation is a rule violation. Mm-hmm. We have to call it out. Gotta call it out. Bad move. Now, Job is going to be really good for the rest of the movie. This is his one big one. Yep. And Job ends up surviving this part, but uh, not so good for Joseph. So Joseph takes up running into the corn. Honestly, at this point, if I had my two lookouts just call it, I might not run at that point. I might just be like, well, what? I'm going to hide my briefcase full of stuff and wait a little bit longer and just play dumb. Play dumb for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But again, they're kids. So as Joseph's going through the corn, something is coming after him. And it ends up being Malachi who sneaks up on him, gets to jump on him, and stabs him. So we should say for all of the kids in this movie, most of them are inducted into the cult. But these three, Joseph, Job, and Sarah, rule number one, they should know they're in a horror movie. They've been in a horror movie for three years now. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll start with, we'll just say that off the bat is all the kids should know they're in a horror movie, but, but most of them are just bad guys, so we just have the main three here that we need to talk about. And so they should already know they're in a horror movie. So Malachi sneaks up on Joseph and slits his throat. And he's not quite dead yet, but rule number two, constant vigilance, Joseph. Yeah, and it's a little bit different because he is in a cornfield. And actually, even even before then, because I grew up in the country, I grew up surrounded by cornfields, there was a moment in all of this where Joseph, who grew up in Nebraska, got lost in the cornfield. Now, it probably didn't help that his parents got murdered and didn't get a chance to teach him this lesson. But just in case you live somewhere and there's corn everywhere and you're ever lost in a cornfield, pick one row, follow that row all the way out. It really shouldn't be that hard, but it'll lead you to either a break between fields or a road or a stream or a brook or some sort of natural terraformation that leads you out of the field. So he got lost. He got turned around. He really should have picked one row. I was watching this whole thing go down. He was not picking a row. It was driving me insane. And obviously he got turned around and it basically allowed for Malachi to sneak up on him and kill him. You know, maybe he was trying to shake his pursuer, which, you know, I get that, but, you know, stick to a row. I've spent most of my summers growing up playing around in cornfields. I've never gotten lost in a cornfield. Why? Because you pick a row or you have a great sense of direction like myself. 
because I don't mm-hmm. get lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've spent, you know, me and my friends, we spent summers just throwing cobs of corn at each other or just like, or even just little pellets. We, we play corn wars, we called it. It was a blast. Never once did I get lost in a cornfield. Hell, I got chased by a bear through a cornfield one time, and guess what? I made it out alive. It's not that hard. I didn't know you got chased by a bear through a cornfield. Yeah, yeah. I guess it was alongside a cornfield, but... It's still horrifying. Yeah, yeah, it was horrifying. The one time I was in a horror movie, I got out. And that wasn't even like your typical horror movie. That was more like a nature survival movie. Yep. But anyway... Killer bear, man. <laughs> the point is, don't get lost in a cornfield. It's not that hard. It's, it's actually very easy to not get lost in a cornfield. Stick to a row, walk out. If you don't have a great sense of direction, just, just pick one. So Yep. So Bert and Vicky, they kind of get distracted looking at their map, trying to figure out where they're going, because they realize the next town, Gatlin, is actually not on the map, which is kind of weird, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's that weird. We drove through a town with a population of four. Was it on the map? I don't remember. We had a GPS. So. I mean, yeah, because we're remembering this is 1984. Yeah. We don't technically know what present day is in this movie, but this movie was made in 1984. It was satellite positioning, GPS to cell phones. None of these were a thing. It wouldn't surprise me if Gatlin wasn't on the uh, 50-state almanac that they purchased at the beginning of their journey. Like, oh no. No, no town's ga- on the maps. No, no Gatlin here. I don't think that's that weird. Not at all. But they get distracted and they hit Joseph, who's standing in the middle of the road holding his throat because he's covered in blood, bleeding out with a, a cutthroat. <laughs> so a couple things for Joseph. Besides constant vigilance, you know, I would say Rule 16 is look both ways before crossing the street. But he clearly saw the car come on. I guess he was just standing in the middle of the road to try and get their attention or something. And I almost feel like this is an entirely different issue with uh, Bert. Keep your eyes on the road. Yeah. So yeah, let's add another rule. Please. Yeah, let's add another rule. Rule number 37, keep your eyes on the road. Let's say Joseph didn't have his throat cut. Oh no, you just committed vehicular manslaughter. At best. Good job. If it had been a larger animal, you could have died. You could die here. Luckily, you know, it was just a small kid. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't a bear or something, or a moose or a deer. So you got to keep your eyes on the road. Pull over. Let your navigator navigate. If you can't figure it out, pull over and figure it out. Especially you're in Nebraska. You've got no reason not to pull over, other than the homicidal cult in the cornfield. But you don't know about you that You don't know yet. about the homicidal cult yet. Follow general, conventional, common sense rules right now. Yep. Life is life. Life is life. Keep your eyes on the road. Drive safe. Drive safe, people. Also, cults are bad. So they get out to check on the kid, and Joseph's dead, but Bert immediately notices oh his throat's cut rule number one i'm in a horror movie and bert knows it yeah he flips him over he immediately is like there's there's something not right here you you go get in the car and lock the doors he doesn't say out loud what's going on he's like get in the car lock the door something weird is going on bert knows he's in a horror movie and from then on out kind of acts like he's in one yeah you know he makes some major mistakes later but he knows so, yeah good on bert and right off the bat he's pretty good he's looking around rule number two constant vigilance he grabs a tire iron out of his car, rule number five, lock and load. He's, he's yeah. ready. Unfortunately, he notices a bloody suitcase out back in the corner a little bit and decides to go get it. And it's like 10 rows in. Boy, dude, that's risky. That's risky. Going in there, that's... High risk, low reward. Yeah, because what, you know, and it ends up being like nothing important in there. Yeah, this, yeah. Isn't even a, this isn't even a plot point other than leaving Vicky alone. Yeah. Which, again, was a nothing burger. Yeah, a whole bunch of nothing burger here. But had Bert gotten killed there, that's rule number 32. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Bert is very lucky he did not win a stupid prize here. Yes. he goes after this briefcase, which is just so stupid. There's a murderer in the cornfield. You know it, Bert. Don't go in the cornfield. 
Mm-hmm. And you might be thinking, oh, well, he doesn't know that there's a murderer in the cornfield yet. But immediately in the next scene, he's talking about the coagulation of the blood. And he said, it takes four minutes for blood to coagulate, and that blood was still fresh. So he knew. He'd got his throat slit less than four minutes before they'd hit him. So he knew that there was a murderer within spitting distance. Yeah, uh, or maybe a farming accident, but we would have seen some sort of farming machinery there. The only logical conclusion is somebody did that to him. Yeah. So, Bert, don't go in there. That's a stupid game you're playing. Yes. Because Malachi's there. Malachi, Ginger Malachi is around, and I don't think he does anything. No, he doesn't. And I was actually going to talk about another rule violation by Vicky here. Constant vigilance. Your long-term boyfriend quasi life partner whatever we don't know how long they've been together sure just hit a kid and she goes to sleep in yeah. the car like i understand that there can be this thing with shock where your body kind of shuts down but i feel like it doesn't take him that long to go out and grab the briefcase so i'm thinking her adrenaline should probably still be going at sure. this point and we do see that malachi does walk up to the car he yep. doesn't do anything vicky is gonna have a dream sequence here where she hears a weird noise gets out of the car and Joseph's alive again, but it's just a nightmare. So we're going to ignore that completely because it doesn't matter. Vicky doesn't know she's in a horror movie yet because Bert hasn't pointed out what's wrong to her. Yes. He's just like, go get in the car. And she's a little bit in shock and she's in the car. So I'm not going to hold anything against Vicky here because she doesn't know. You know, she just sees there's a body covered in blood and Bert just hit him. There's nothing to suggest for her that something else is going on yet. Right. I'm going to call it a minor infraction for me just because Bert did ask her to go and lock the doors. Sure. But it's fine though. Uh, ultimately, it doesn't matter. So Burke comes back, they put Joseph's body in the trunk, and they drive off. With the intent of trying to figure out what yep. to do. They're, they're, not, they're not planning on stashing no. this body or anything which like is, that. Which is fine. Like, it was a complete accident. You could say he just wandered into the road. Also, his throat's cut. Something weird is going on. Yeah. Easy way to play this one off. Mm-hmm. So, fine. Take the body with you. Take the evidence with you. If you suspect the murder is right there, maybe it is smarter to take that with you, because you could come back with help and it'd be gone. So, I don't hate this move to take the body and the, the briefcase with in a movie, I I don't hate it. In real life, I would never. Yeah. I, I would not move anything. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess, you know, you're in the middle of Nebraska. There's no way you can just sit there and wait because if you don't have a cell phone, you don't have a cell phone. Like, you need to go do something. Yeah. But if I'm giving, like, real world advice, like, eh, don't move the body. Yeah, maybe don't move the body. Just um... explain, hey, I'm a doctor. I hit this kid out there. He wandered into the middle of the road. His throat was cut. I found, we found this briefcase right out there in the cornfield. We left to find help. That's why we're talking to you. Sure. And, I mean, yeah. at, at that point, I think if you're a law-abiding citizen, that's the best that you can do. Sure. Okay. Um, I'll sign off on that. But, but in a movie, you know, I there aren't any rule violations for sure. me here. Yeah. This is not this is not good or bad. This is neutral on surviving the horror movie. This yes. is completely neutral action. Yes. So Job and Sarah, they go back to their old house to play, which is forbidden. They're not supposed to be able to play with toys, listen to music. But they're both playing Monopoly and cheating, I might add. But Malachi catches them. That's not good. So Bert kind of fills in Vicky and what's going on. So now Vicky should know, rule number one, you're in a horror movie. The throat was slit. There was a murderer there. Yes. And then they acknowledge it. Yep. I, was, I was very happy, like, so they could have been watching us? And Bert's, I was waiting for the classic, like, no, 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 no. They're long gone. And he, Bert's like, probably. Yeah. Like, maybe. Could yeah. be. Vicky's like, yeah, I could have sworn someone was watching me. Bert's like, yeah, could be. <laughs> Very possible. So I was like, yes, we have competent protags here. Yes. I'm excited. And they're not as competent for the rest of the film. No. But this is a good start for the most part for them. We've definitely seen much worse protagonists than these two. Mm-hmm. So Malachi brings in Job and Sarah to Isaac. And 
this is where they find out that Sarah about Sarah's drawings and Sarah has visions that are true. She's like a prophet of some kind. So now they know Bert and Vicky are coming. They, they've seen the drawings of the cars. Malachi's like, yo, I've seen that car. They're coming. They're on their way here. But there's also a lot of tension between these two because Malachi is kind of the muscle and the more bloodthirsty one of the group. Whereas Isaac's a lot more ritualistic, ceremonial, and he's kind of the talker. He's the smooth-talking cult leader. Yeah, I mean, if there was Kool-Aid to be drank, Isaac would be the one telling you to do it. Yeah, but Malachi's the real killer among them. Because mm-hmm. we never see Isaac kill anybody. It's all Malachi. Yep. Isaac decrees no punishment for Job or Sarah because he recognizes Sarah's value with the visions. I think the other thing is, Job and Sarah were the only two kids who weren't in the cornfield of the day the cult was formed. So... He doesn't hold it against them that they're not part of the cult for some reason. That's kind of an odd mentality to take. You know, if I was leading a cult, I'd want these two people gone. But I guess because of Sarah's visions, he realized, yeah, yeah we should probably keep them around. They could be useful. I yeah, don't know. I mean, the whole, yeah, Isaac's treatment of, of Job and Sarah, it doesn't make a ton of sense no. to me. I mean, on a human level, I get it. I mean, these kids are both younger than 10. Yeah. And they're not really causing any problems. And, oh, look at that. One of them has the gift of vision. But on the other hand, you know, you had no problem killing a bunch of adults. It's like, true. why not make this 100% cult? But who knows what he who walks behind the rose was whispering yes. in Isaac's ear. And that's who they worship is somebody or something called he who walks behind the rose. Yes. And But Malachi really wants to kill Job and Sarah. That yep. He's, he thinks they should be gone. Isaac sends Malachi away to tell the old man to say nothing. And we'll find out what that means a little bit later. Bert and Vicky end up opening the suitcase. There's a cross made of corn inside. That doesn't really amount to much, but, you know, creepy. Yeah, yeah, pretty weird. So we meet a guy named Deal. He's the old man mechanic who, he's the only adult left in Gatland, on the outskirts of Gatland. He's working on a car. He's got a dog named Sarge. And Bert and Vicky show up. The old man mentions, oh, that's the third car this month. So there's like no traffic going down this road. Bert asks for a phone and Deal says he doesn't have one. And he directs him to the next town after Gatlin. There's a fork in the road coming up. One leads to Gatlin. One leads to this other town. Hemingford. Hemingford. And he tells him to go there. And I'm like, yeah, don't go to Gatlin. They they caught religion there. And they don't like outsiders. And they don't have phones. So don't go there. Thanks, buddy. You know, that's good advice. Nice guy giving advice. Yeah. Uh, and, and good advice. Good advice. Like, this this isn't some kind of wrong turn thing here. He, he's actually like, seriously, just leave them alone. Yeah. Go elsewhere. Don't go there. It's a bad place. Bert doesn't buy any of this. He's just like, that's weird. Whatever. But then Deal, they, they, Bert and Vicky drive off. Deal's dog gets distracted and runs off to the cornfields. Someone takes uh, Deal's hammer. And Deal's, hears all these weird noises. Like, oh, his hammer's missing. So basically, he's, for the next couple of minutes, he's basically wandering around his property Hearing weird noises, thinking it's the wind. Yeah, it's real real Skyrim NPC. There's actually a moment where he says, must have been the wind. Yep. Ugh. And so he, right. he comes back and he finds his dog's like handkerchief that the dog was wearing covered in blood. Um, so the dog was, was killed. And he starts shouting at them like, I did what you wanted. I did what you asked me to. I didn't tell them anything. He did a little bit though. Yeah, but I don't know. I think that he still upheld his end of the bargain here. Because he, he steered him to Hemingford and was like, don't go to that other place. Yeah, but maybe they want... Do, the, I guess I don't know if the kids want more outsiders to sacrifice. So maybe that was the thing. Maybe we were like, yo, you were supposed to send them our way? Maybe. That's the only thing I can think. I don't know. But basically, he he gets pissed that they killed his dog. So he grabs a tire iron or a wrench of some kind. Lug wrench? Yeah, it was, it was like a torque wrench, an old like 1980s torque wrench and... 
he starts to walk into his garage and of course uh, Malachi and company like two others I think have like a chain and a uh, Malachi's machete and they just basically converge on him from there but he's like he's he's ready to fight and go down swing in because he's pissed they killed his dog yep respect respect yep. that so let's talk about this guy because Cause, cause he he is dead. He's dead. Deal gets killed here. He was the only survivor of the adult massacre. Good on him for because he's useful. He he keeps their stuff running, their 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 machinery running, gas and oil. He gets them that kind of stuff. So he provided some use for them. That's great. Here's the thing though. Rule number thirty six is cults are bad. <laughs> yes. You should have been long gone, dude. You have access to cars. You have the opportunity to get away. You've had three years to get out of this cult. Why are you? Why are you doing this now? Why? Why, why are you suddenly causing problems now? If if they want people to sacrifice, because they, they they sacrifice people to their god. If you have had no problem for three years sending people their way, why are you causing problems now? Bert was kind of a dick to you. You don't know Bert and Vicky at all. Who cares? Just send them off and keep living your life, or get the hell out of Dodge. Rule number eleven: Get out forever ago. Cults are bad. Yeah, the only thing I can think of for this is we find out later in the movie that this isn't all just smoke and mirrors. There's certainly something supernatural going on here. Maybe there was something that happened at some point where Deal was like, give me my life and I will be your point man out on the road. And that's why he didn't go to escape. It still doesn't explain why he wouldn't have sent more sacrifices if that was needed because we found out that they did, in fact, need a couple of sacrifices for someone's... 19th birthday or 19th it's a little unclear but they need sacrifices it it is it is what it is but that being said that doesn't really change the fact that he was dumb yeah bad moves bad moves he either years of bad moves three years of bad moves you should have been long gone and if you're going to join the cult you can't be surprised if they turn on you when you don't do as directed yep you know you play stupid games you win stupid prizes rule number 32 all of this is bad now that said i love john wick they kill your dog, I have no issue with you trying to get revenge on him, but it's not a good time to, you know, you don't have a good chance of survival, especially when it's one versus however many people. I think it was three, and they were all hidden, and they were all young and more in shape than this guy. Yeah, he's an old guy. Again, if you're going to get into a fight like this, one versus many, that's another stupid game. He wins a stupid prize, he gets killed. I can respect the move of him going in to kill them, or try to kill him after they killed his dog. Totally respect it. Totally understand it. Might do the same thing. But you can't be surprised when you get killed. (laughs) And what's with all of the dogs getting killed in all of the horror movies that I watch? Is it just me? I think so. Good lord. Yeah, all the Halloweens. (laughs) Um, (sighs) Hey, we gotta establish these are bad people, and there's no better way to do that by killing a dog. That is the truth. Yep. Deal basically does nothing right, is what I'm saying. Yep. He's batting zero. Rip. Meanwhile, Bert and Vicky, they... They take the right fork. They're, they're leaving Gatlin behind. But all of a sudden, they see, start seeing road signs for Gatlin again and end up in, like, this maze of corn. And just, it's a little confusing, but they somehow get dry, all turned around and end up back at the mechanic shop. So I'm wondering if, like, Isaac and them set that up, like, to make it confusing to try and get away from Gatlin. So people who end up there anyway. I don't know. And for all we know, there's something supernatural going on here, too. Could it's, be that, too. It's... It's really unclear. It makes it really hard to grade, so I hesitate to give any demerits for it. Sure, same. I think the point is they tried to go to Hemingford, and they can't. For whatever reason, they can't. It could be supernatural. And, and, and that's where I'm leaving it. Yep. So they're like, all right, well, let's just go to Gatlin, I guess. We don't We don't want to, but we can drive around in circles all day, I guess. Yeah, just so. keep going. 
fine. Like, and I, I've got nothing against this at, at this point. So then we're taken out to into the middle of a cornfield. There's a clearing, and this is kind of where Isaac runs his worship ceremonies. And we see a dead police officer tied to a cross of corn in the middle of this cornfield. Which is kind of funny. The blue man. The blue man. They call him the blue man. They're worshiping he who walks behind the rose. Well, Job and Sarah kind of watching because they're not part of the cult. They're just there. They just live there. Mm-hmm. This is like a very Lord of the Flies feel. If you ever read that book, because it's just kids everywhere and they're just talking about what their next big move and rituals and sacrifices and very Lord of the Flies. If you were forced to read that in high school <laughs> or if for some reason you read that book for fun. I dug it. I was like, this is a weird world. This, yep. is, this, is, this is weird. I'm okay with this. Now Isaac's just a little preacher kid, played by a 25-year-old, but uh, acts like a kid. So he kind of tells them Joseph's been killed. Uh, he had dreams come to him from he who walks behind the rose. Uh, Joseph was killed, uh, and that was required. And outlanders are coming, and it's going to be a big fight because Bert is going to be a problem for them. Now. He has He's even stronger than the blue man, who the cop that came before him. So they're going to... Have their work cut out for them trying to stop Bert. But they want to sacrifice Bert and Vicky. That's their plan. For a guy named Amos, it was his birthday, and they needed to offer a sacrifice with yep. him giving himself to he who walks behind the rose. Yeah, basically what it is, when you turn eight, when you turn 19, on your birthday, you are sacrificed to he who walks behind the rose. And for whatever reason, you can't just sacrifice one person. You have to sacrifice multiple people. Who knows? Who cares? It's it's Amos's birthday. It's his 19th birthday. He and Bert are birthday buddies. Yeah. I never realized that. Yeah. So they're going to sacrifice Bert and Vicky alongside Amos. And don't worry about this Amos guy. He has absolutely zero bearing on the story. Yeah. So don't get lost on that. Yeah, he's a nothing character. But just, there's a guy named Amos. So Malachi gets a hunting party together, and they're going to go get Bert and Vicky. And the two of them arrive in Gatlin. There's kids watching them. They're exploring the place. They they go to the old cafe, and it's just filled with corn. Yeah, this is weird. All this is weird. You guys are in a real horror movie now. Yeah, and honestly, at this point, I would have said, you know what? Let's just try going the other way. Yeah. Let's just drive the heck out of Dodge, and let's let's leave, because there aren't even cars. Yeah. And uh, there's there's a rat on the counter. There's Everything about this town screams weird. This personal anecdote here. One time, my family and I, we were driving west for a road trip. I think we were going to Yellowstone. I think that was our ultimate destination. We didn't have a GPS yet. All we had was one of those big 50-state almanacs. That was designated navigator, and I was looking at the cities, and I was trying to find ones with a bigger name because we'd been driving for eight, nine hours that day, and we're trying to figure out where we are going to stop. And I found this city. I want to say it was Buffalo, Buffalo, Wyoming. So if there's anyone who lives in Buffalo, hopefully you'll laugh at this and be self-aware, but... I was like, Buffalo, that's got a pretty, you know, big font size on the map. Like, we can stop there for the night. We pulled off. We pulled into this town. And I kid you not, we, we get off the interstate, and the first four things we see, a butcher shop with the cattle skull mounted above the door, a voodoo shop, and it looked like it had, like, you know, a little shrunken head, I hope, fake, in the window, a little general market thing, and something else that I, I guess I don't even remember right now. But point is, butcher shop and voodoo shop are the first two things on the side of the road. And this whole place was just, no. <laughs> no, so much no. And so my parents and uh, me and my brother, we looked at each other and we said, nope, we're not done with the car yet. We ended up driving two more hours to get to, I think, uh, Sheridan. Oh, wow. And that was a good choice. Yes. Because we are still alive. Gatlin is sending off the voodoo butcher shop vibes right now. Leave. 
That's the point of all of this. The point is I've driven into a town like this. Some books can be judged by their covers, and this cover is tattered yeah. and filled with corn, and I don't like it. Number 11 is Get Out. Yes, this leave. Get Out situation. Everything about this is bad. It's like an abandoned ghost town, it feels like. There's been a murder already. Just everything about this is no. You've heard bad things about this town. Just keep going. They see some kids hanging out by their car, and they, they try and catch the kids, but the kids escape. And Vicky's like, can we just please go to the next town? And Bert says, yeah, sure. Yeah. Good. Yeah, so far so good. Keep going. But as they're driving out, they're driving past Job and Sarah's house, and they see the front door open and close, and Bert stops. He's like, ah, oh, somebody here. Let's go find out. You should probably just keep going, Bert. Bad move, Bert. Like, I get you want to get help, but you just keep going. Yeah, forget about it. Yeah. So Bert knocks on the door. Nobody's home, so he goes in anyway. Now, for anybody who listened to our Texas Chainsaw Massacre podcast, this is going to sound familiar. Rule number four, don't be a menace. Don't go into people's houses. Nope. And Vicky says it. That's someone else's house, Bert. You can't just go in their house, Bert. Yep. It's true, you know. Well, I'm just trying to get some help, Vicky. I don't know why that was a goofy voice, but... That's fine and dandy. Leatherface could be in there ready to kill you, and he's within all of his rights. Luckily, that's not the horror movie they're in. Yes. Bert is very lucky, because if he was in Texas Chainsaw, he'd be dead already. I think this is the best case scenario, because if you're in Nebraska and you walk into someone's house, a normal, rational person might just shoot you. Yeah, very possible. You are in the United States of America. In a red state. In a, in a very red state. Like, I don't care how you fall on gun issues here. If you're in Nebraska, you don't trespass. Yeah. You don't even go in their field. Yep. Shoot first, call the cops second. Yeah. I was protecting myself. I didn't know what this outlander was doing. Yeah. Vicky follows. The phone's cut. The phone is dead. And they kind of explore the house a little bit. They hear a weird noise upstairs. Bert goes up by himself. Vicky stays downstairs. Don't split up, gang. Yeah, rule number 19 is don't split up, gang. Let's split up and look for clues. Don't be like Mystery Inc. Don't split up. Especially when there's just two of you. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But eventually Vicky does go back upstairs. And they find Sarah hanging out in her playroom up there. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what the heck is going on. But Sarah's not giving great answers. She's just like, oh, yeah, all the adults are out in the cornfield. Isaac put them there. And in fairness, Sarah is the younger yeah. of, you know, Sarah and Job. Yeah, we mentioned she's like six. Yeah, she's six or seven. I, I don't know. Also, she's, never had an education. Never had an education, kind of grew up in this world. And yeah. so, I mean, what's she going to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I have very low expectations, and she meets those expectations for how helpful she can be. Yeah, she's very vague. Bert gets irritated, and he just leaves. He's like, I'm going to go back to City Hall and find some help there i'm just gonna go back you stay vicky you stay with sarah here don't split up gang again no no freddie don't split up gang yeah this is a terrible terrible move the worst move of the movie possibly is this split up i i don't even think it's a question i think this is the worst move of the movie yeah not great bert not great so he had he leaves goes to city hall uh but he leaves the car with vicky and sarah bert he's exploring town by himself he finds a school and a church all just full of corn He's being watched by kids, but doesn't notice. Rule number two, constant vigilance. Gotta, gotta pay attention for creepy kids watching you, especially in a place like this. Yeah. So Malachi and the others arrive at Sarah's house. And at the same time, Bert goes into the city hall, and he's just more corn. Malachi and the others enter the house. They have weapons. They're, they're, they're here for Vicky. And Vicky hears a weird noise downstairs and goes to check it out. And she sees Malachi and a bunch of others are here. And nope, <laughs> she runs off. She barricades herself in, back in Sarah's room. Not a great job, but she did all right. Yeah, she needed to climb out on the roof here. Yep. You know, she she's stuck upstairs. It's not like she ran upstairs. We can't hold that against her. 
but she's cornered. Sometimes you just got to go out on the roof and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. She grabs a lamp and throws it at one of them. She tries to fight with them, but she's outnumbered. You know, she panics a little bit. Rule number ten: she panics. Her next move was to go out on the roof and try and do something there, try and get to the car maybe. But she she panics. Rule number ten. Yeah, and and this part's a little weird in general because they show some of the kids climbing up on the roof and cutting the screen in yeah. order to get into the house. They they go the extra mile and have this continuity later in in a I guess at the end of this scene. It's just, it's unclear what's going on. Basically, Vicky did all right, but she could have gone further. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have done anything different, but... Yeah. You gotta, gotta keep trying. Can't give up. Next thing you try might work. Right. Rule number 17. Interestingly, when Bert is going around the town hall, he finds a desecrated picture of Jesus and uh, a dead phone. But that's interesting. So they're not worshipping Jesus. That, that's because we don't know who they're worshipping at this point, but it's not Jesus. <laughs> and all the while, Job is watching him as well. Yeah, and Job is watching Bert. Bert hears a weird noise, but does not investigate whatsoever. So Bert returns back to the house and finds Sarah still there. Vicky's gone, and Vicky's drawn a picture of Sarah being taken to a cornfield. So Bert's like, uh-oh. Not so good. So he goes outside to find her, and the corn stalks magically open up for him to walk through. And he's about to go in. He takes like a step in, which I would not do. No. 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 Rule number 14, don't go looking for missing people. I get that it's your girlfriend, but Bert, you might just want to move on and go get help. I mean, yeah, but I feel like you just completely ignored the magic corn. Yeah, okay, so first is don't go looking for missing people. What is the second part? I don't know. Is there a rule? I don't think there's a rule for this. Okay, I got it. Well, this is just another part of rule number one is now you know you are in a supernatural horror movie. Corn doesn't just bow like that. For you to go enter it. That's not how corn works. <laughs> Can confirm. Grew up around corn. That's not how that works. So do not go in this corn. That's a no from me, dog. Go that, the other way. That, that's that's a really bad plan. Like there's, I guess there's no technical rule here other than just another subset of rule one. But bad Bert. Yeah. Stop it. You're, you're on a really bad hot streak. Yeah. Cold streak. Cold streak. Yeah, and then don't go looking for missing people. Bert needs to get in his car and drive and go get some help because shit's bad. Um, he, I don't think he realizes how bad it is yet, but it's not good. Yeah, Bert's about to enter the corn, and he hears bells coming from a church, so he goes over to the church. Meanwhile, Vicky's tied up in the worship area to a cross made of corn, so she's going to be sacrificed, so she's tied up. Isaac tells Malachi, yo, he who walks behind the rose is mad at you for killing the old man that way or something. It's a little unclear. It was basic. If I understood it correctly, first he killed Joseph without a proper sacrifice. Yeah. And now he killed the old guy, Deal, again, without another sacrifice. So they were behind on sacrifices. I guess. So it needed to be Amos and then it needed to be both outlanders in order to appease something of their rules. I don't know. It's pretty unclear, but point is you need everyone. Yeah. And Malachi's like, why don't we just sacrifice Sarah and Job? And that will get us back up to the right number. But Isaac's like, we need Sarah. She's got the sight. So a little more, more tension between the two of them. So Bert arrives, he, he gets to this church and inside, Amos is cutting himself, getting himself prepped for his sacrifice. And we also meet another cultist named Rachel, who's kind of running the ceremony to prep Amos. They get some of Amos's blood, and everybody's supposed to drink it. And at this point, Bert walks. He's like, no, 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 you stop that. And he just basically comes in and scolds everybody. 
Like, what are you doing? This is great. Like, okay, hold on. We can be real here for a second with uh, the horror movie rules. This is rule number one again. Uh, this is also a, another iteration of rule 36. Cults are bad. Cults are bad. You're definitely in a horror movie. I think we can probably throw uh, rule 18 into this. Stranger danger. Um, I, th- there's just so many Rule weird... number 26, don't give away your position. He Nobody knows he's outside this church, and he just boils and he walks right in. He just walks in, he's like, well, whatever. Don't give a fuck. And rule number 30, don't be a good Samaritan. Don't try and save these cultists. Yeah. Rule number 29, no half measures. Don't try and save them, just kill them all. No more half measures, Walter. So, so pro- rule number 32, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You know, this might be the worst move of the movie. This is really bad. This is really bad. But it's great. It's so entertaining, though. Because he just goes in and just starts talking smack. He's, like, picking up their books that they've, they've, they've changed parts of the Bible. And he's just, like, talking shit, throwing their books aside, knocking their blood away. He's just like, what are you doing? Stop doing this. This is ridiculous. Amos, what are you doing? He's like, I'm celebrating my birthday. He's like, yeah, that's a pretty sick way to celebrate your birthday, buddy. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> what is happening? Rachel has a knife and, like... The others are all going to, you know, Rachel sends some one person out to go get Malachi and tell him what's happening. But everybody else starts moving in on him. And he's like, nope. And grabs Rachel and just holds a knife to her. It's like, no, 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 no. You sit back down. It has no fucks to give. <laughs> and she even makes a move and stabs him and manages to stab a Bert. And Bert just takes the knife right back. He's like, no, 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 no. No, we're not done here. We're not done here. This is ridiculous. Rule number seven, don't leave your weapon behind, which also includes don't let your weapon get taken from you. So a little bit of that, Bert does get it back right away, but she did take the knife, stab him, and, you know, firmly grasp it. Firmly grasp it. Firmly grasp it. But it's just, it's hilarious how few fucks Bert gives. It's so funny. And it's to the point where I can't say that his goal is survival anymore. Yeah, he, he's trying to find his girlfriend. Yeah. And he's just out of fucks to give. And, and that makes it so, like, you can't give him these huge demerits on these rule violations because he did exactly what he meant to do. Yep. This was definitely his plan. It was stupid. Terrible plan. This is definitely play stupid games, win stupid prize. Like, what? The, what's the best case scenario? They all like, oh, yeah, you're right. Drop all their weapons. That's a bold, bold goal to get. Yeah, and, and that sounds more Hail Mary, like, after you've been backed into a corner. But, you know, I guess while you're in the power spot, just... Go in there and try and flex on him. When he's walking into the church, a couple of them try and, like, stop him. He's just like, nope, and just picks him up and tosses him. Because <laughs> these are kids. Yeah, these are kids. And Bert's... None of the none of the older kids besides Amos are here. Everybody else is younger. Yeah, and, and Bert, I mean, he's not, like, a super built doctor, but he's, he's in shape. 26-year-old, I think they said. Yeah, and he's tall. Yeah. He's very tall. It's, it's so funny how little of a fuck he gives. It's great. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. But after he gets stabbed, because enough gushing about this ridiculously bad move for survival. He, he runs out. He's he, just gone. And he's got wheels. Like, yep. there ain't none of that horror movie tripping on. He does trip. He, he trips eventually, but... He's uh, fast. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got wheels. Rule number 28. Run, bitch, run! Like, run, bitch, run! Boy, oh boy, does he. Yeah, I think he borrowed the shoes from, uh, what is it, Benny from The Sandlot? Man, he, he was gone. Yep. So we get a pretty kind of epic chase scene where all of the kids are coming to get him. Malachi is showing up now, and it's just this big hunt for Bert throughout town. He's running for his life. 
He ends up dropping his weapon at some point. Firmly grasp it. Yes, now you have nothing. Rule number seven, hold on your weapons. Bert loses his weapon here. Bert gets cornered in town circle, like the center of town. And Malachi shows up and shouts, Outlander! Outlander! And all the others kind of look over like, oh, Malachi's here. And Bert grabs one of the kids, tosses him aside, and just runs for It's so <laughs> awkward, but I love it. Hey, rule number 17, never give up. The next thing you try might work. Good job, Bert. Quick, while they're distracted by their own guy. Gone. I, I don't even know what to say about that part. It. It's really funny. It's funny. So Bert hides in an old building and actually makes a noise. And Malachi sees him and hears him. Gives away his position, which is rule number 26. Don't give away your position. Malachi comes into the building. Bert grabs a tire iron and the two... And Lock and load. Locks and load. And gets the drop of Malachi and hits him in the leg, which drops him to the ground. And then runs away. Double tap. Come on. And he leaves his weapon behind. And he leaves his weapon behind. So rule number six, double tap. Rule number seven, don't leave your weapon behind. Come on, Bert. If you drop Malachi here, I mean, I guess you still got Isaac to deal with, but one problem at a time. Yeah. Like, if this was a video game mission, you've got to whittle these enemies down one at a time yep. here, and they clearly have malicious intentions. Yeah, they're trying to kill you. They have your girlfriend, who may or may not be dead already. Malachi is the most dangerous one. And you they, had to take him out. I mean, there's probably some hesitation because this is a kid. You know, this is, they're under 18, but sorry, you can't have hesitation here. You gotta kill him. You gotta break his knees, I think. At the very least, break his knees. I think you double tap. You're trying to kill somebody, I don't care if you're a kid or not. You, If you're a menace, rule number four, don't be a menace. If you're being a menace and trying to murder people as part of a cult, and you get killed in the process, I don't feel bad for you no matter your age. That is a stupid game, stupid prizes. Yeah, and Malachi was one of the leaders in this whole thing, so fucking kill him. But of course... He basically just hits him in the knee and then turns around, bonks his head into something, which was just the weirdest. I wonder if that was like uh, an accident. They just kept it in the it, movie. It, it must have been. I don't know. It's so weird. He runs out the back door. Whatever. We're done with this workshop. Runs into Job. Yeah. And Job is like, no, come here. I got safety for you. My sister, Sarah, come on. And at this point, you might as well go for it because you're in a heap of shit here, Bert. So yeah, if, if one of these kids seems rational... You've seen there is another good kid here. Maybe this is, you know, go, go with this gamble. He's already been stabbed. He's, he's kind of hurt. He's in a tough spot. I say just go with this kid. It might pay off. It might pay off. I think if I'm dropping myself in this situation, I probably wouldn't do it. And this is just me. I'm not saying it's the right decision. I'm saying every kid in here, except for one, and, we, and actually he has no reason to believe that Sarah wasn't involved in sure. getting Vicky captured. He knows nothing. To me, I don't trust anyone in this town anymore. And keep in mind that if I were to follow conventional rules, this would not turn out well for me, I am sure. Sure. But I would not follow this kid. Yeah, rule number 24 is trust no one. Everybody's a suspect! And there's no real reason for him to trust Job, but he does, and it pays off for him. You could go either way with this one. Yeah, so I, I know that I would not. I, I feel like I can put myself here and I'd be like, yep, nope, this smells like a trap, walks like a trap talks like a trap i'm i'm not hey mister come follow me i know where we can go where they can't find us no 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 you don't yeah it, it sounds too good to be true it's it, not it's not it's not too good to be true but i wouldn't hold it a bird had ran away but the thing is he's in such a desperate situation it's fine it, and like i get it i can rationalize it i wouldn't have done it yeah it, it's a gray area here you could go either way with this choice you know, flip a coin, whether you live or die on this one, basically. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know what? I'm wrong. Yep. Because we find out that he is, in fact, taking him to a secret cellar where... Fallout shelter. Yeah, fallout shelter that his father had built. For the commies. <laughs> 
I don't think we got to worry about the commies there, Job. Yeah. Nobody knows about it but Job and Sarah and, and now Bert. So they, they kind of patch Bert up and they fill him in on everything. I'm sure he patches himself up. Yeah. He, but I'm, I'm sure he patches himself up. He is a doctor. But I'm sure maybe the others helped him, got him the supplies he needed. You know, oh, they, definitely. They have stuff, you know. So Malachi returns to Isaac and it's time. It's time for the tension to build. Malachi and Isaac have this big fight. And Isaac tries to get everybody on his side, but everybody chooses Malachi. Malachi is now the new leader of the cult. And they decide to cut down Vicky. They're not going to sacrifice Vicky because they're going to use her as bait to get Bert. And they're going to put Isaac in her place. So they tie Isaac to the cross instead. Hilarious sequence. Hilarious. With, again, more Lord of the Flies vibes, by the way. Yeah. So Malachi brings Vicky to town center. And it's just screaming, Outlander! We have your woman, Outlander! Come get her! We're going to kill her! Bert doesn't hear any Because he's in a fallout shelter. <laughs> so this whole scene is pointless. Yep. It doesn't work. It's like the most famous scene of the movie, and it, main protagonist doesn't even know what happens. Yeah, they literally cut back to Bert. He's deep diving into the mythos of this town with Job. Like, they're having this philosophical discussion, and I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> so Job and Sarah, they tell Bert where the key is at the clearing in the cornfield. And he, they take Bert out there. Uh, they go to this barn that gives him a pretty good view of the clearing. And Job tells him, like, hey, sneak around, go by the irrigation pumps. That's your best way out there. You're least likely to get seen, you know, establishing there are irrigation pumps out there. That's the whole point of that. But Job has already proven pretty useful to, to Bert. Yeah. Job is, Job is good. I like Job. So Bert gets a metal pipe, locks and loads. Hopefully he doesn't lose it this time. Yep. Third time's the charm. Third time's the charm. And he goes out there as the ceremony starts. To sacrifice Amos and Isaac. He who walks behind the rose shows up, and Amos walks out of the corn and promptly gets killed. There's only one rule here. Rule number 36, culture bad. Culture bad. Don't sacrifice yourself for a cult. If you join any sort of organized religion, they ask you to sacrifice yourself for any reason. Uh, Get out of that. Don't do it. Don't sacrifice yourself for the cult. (laughs) So, yeah, rip Amos. And then Isaac's screaming his head off, like, I did everything you wanted, please don't hurt me. And proceeds to get, like, fucking launched like a rocket ship out into the cornfield somehow. It's this little Saturn missile. I have no idea what happens. Somehow he who walks behind the roses just launches Isaac into the cornfield. Kills him, but doesn't kill him? It's weird. It's a little unclear. I'm gonna go with kills him. He's dead. Yeah, I mean, he is gonna come back in a sequel. But he kind of gets resurrected, and he comes back later in the movie kind of possessed. Yeah. But let's just say, rule number 36, Isaac, culture bad. If you start to hear voices telling you to kill all the adults in your town, please go to get some mental help before you start doing that. Yes. Seek help. It, voices telling you to kill people are not normal. Well, and, and in general, a voice besides your own in your head, if it's not your normal internal voice, that that's not normal. Please get help. Please. For anybody your... who's listening to this, and, and if you have any moment like that, not, not all joking aside, please get help. Yes, for yourself and for those who love you. Yep. Anything telling you to kill people is bad. Yes. And also, mo- most importantly, Rule 36. Cults are bad. Cults are bad. Don't start one. <laughs> <laughs> So Bert charges in at this point where everybody's distracted. Breeze Vicky uh, gets her to run off, and Bert just starts, like, smack-talking all of them again. Perfect time for a parental monologue. Like, everybody sit down. I'm going to tell you why. 
Rule 36, Colts are bad. Yeah, he tosses Malachi aside and starts just smack tech on all of them. Like, hey, yo, uh, any religion that doesn't teach love and compassion is false. And basically just starts winning all of them over, saying some pretty good stuff. Unfortunately, he turns his back on Malachi, who attacks him. Rule number two, constant vigilance, Bert. And also, again, no half measures. No half measures. I mean, I get if he'd have killed Malachi, I'm not so sure that his argument would have been so yeah. convincing here. It's actually a really good point, because what happens is they fight some more, and Bert just smacks the shit out of Malachi. And it, and it is an entertaining sequence, by the way. Because <laughs> it's not even a fight. Gets the knife out of Malachi's hands, stands up, and is like, is this what you like? is supposed to happen? He throws the knife next to Malachi's head, doesn't kill him. He's like, no, we're not doing this. We're done with this crap. And doesn't kill him, and I... I Get what he's doing. Yeah. And it works. He gets every other kid on his side. Rule seven rule seventeen, why not? It's a bold move, but I there's logic behind it and it worked. He destroyed a cult by talking. Hard to do. Hard thing to do, but he did it. Good job, man. Good job, Bert. You know, it, it's a bold move. I, I don't know what I would have done in his situation, but it worked. Good for Bert. Now things are going to get a little weird. Yeah, now things are going to get weird. Because Malachi! Before, well, first, before that, Malachi is like, now everybody get him. Nobody listens to Malachi anymore. Yeah, yeah, everyone's everyone's turned on him. Yep. And then we hear, Malachi! And we have Isaac return, and he's possessed by he walks behind the rose. Um, and got this real deep voice coming out of him. He wants you too, Malachi! And then promptly, everyone except Malachi and now the possessed Isaac follow rule 11. Get out. Or, I guess more appropriately, 28. Run, bitch. Run. They all run except Malachi. Demonic Isaac chokes Malachi to death. Don't be a menace. Cults are bad. Yeah, there's only two rules here. Rule number <laughs> rule number four, don't be a menace. Rule number 36, cults are bad. <laughs> a lot of violations of that rule 36 in this movie. Uh, especially by Malachi and Isaac. Uh, but everybody else flees. They all end up inside the barn. All of the remaining characters are here. Job tells Bert, like, because basically what they heard is that somebody had tried to stop this cult before, the blue man, the cop. And he, he had gone out to the cornfield near the stills and irrigation systems, and he had a piece of paper from the Bible in his hand. But before he could do anything, Malachi killed him. Which is hilarious. Like, what? why did he fail? Job goes, Malachi. Bert goes, yep, Malachi, of course. Yeah, like, I, I get it. Yep. He, he's been a problem for a while. Job has held on to this page the entire time. Because he, he knew this is something in this is the solution. How do you win this thing? So that's great. You know, smart on Job. Yeah, this is an undroppable item in a video game. Yep. And he's just kept it on in the whole time. And he's like, here's the hero. I can give it to you now. Here you go, adventurer. Back to the Skyrim example from earlier. Rule number 21 is learn from past events. And Job did that. Yeah. He... Got something useful. He gives the piece of paper with a highlighted Bible verse to Bert, who can't figure it out at first, but he and Vicky figure out Lake of Fire. Burn it all. Burn the corn. Derek's go-to move in a horror movie situations: burn everything. And for very quick, very high-level point of reference, Ryan was a dungeon master for a quick... Uh, game of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, that a horror-themed Dungeons and Dragons game. And it basically had, you know, one... Part of the story was each some of these huge horror movies or whatever. They had to fight. Like, you're Jason Voorhees, you're Freddy Krueger, a whole bunch of characters. And, and we figured this out fairly early on, and I just started burning everything. Like, oh, look, Ghostface's house. Burn it. Oh, look, a haunted woods. Burn it. Oh, look, a factory. Burn it. Ryan got so irritated with me, but at the end of this movie, I'm like, burn it! Mm, yes! 
Fine. I was, and I said earlier, I'm like, I'd have lit that corn on fire a long time ago. And Ryan just looks at me, you're going to like the end of this movie. <laughs> it was amazing. So this is what Derek would do in any horror movie situation, set everything on fire. <laughs> I'm so happy. This is amazing. Kill it with fire. So Bert kind of organizes everybody to get supplies together to build like a hose or something mm-hmm. to get stuff set up to basically burn everything down. Yeah, they're trying to get the uh, the ethanol, I think, that was made from the corn. Yep. They're trying to hook that up to the irrigation system. Yep. Uh, I guess it's flammable and they're going to just use it to light everything on fire. Yeah, they're going to use the irrigation system, which is usually water. Yep. Or maybe fertilizer too, I guess. Yep. Um, but they're going to put gasoline into the system, pump it out all over the cornfield and burn it all. That's the plan. So Bert goes into the cornfield all by himself. Probably should have gone with backup, but... Don't split up, gang. Don't split up, gang. Burke goes off by himself. Leaves Vicky behind to take care of the kids. We're now all freaked out because, you know, there's this, like, demigod thing going rampant in the field. Yeah. And the corn comes to life and tries, like, ties him up to stop him. And Job shows up and cuts him free. Job continually just being the helpful, awesome NPC. Yeah, and he's, like, nine. So, good for this kid. Burke tries to send him back, but Job's like, nah, I'm coming with you. Like, I'm... No. No. You don't even know what you're doing. It, and it's true, Burke gets out there and has no idea how to run the irrigation system, and Job basically does everything. Yeah. Get that valve! Do you know how to run this thing? Crank the lever, Crank Burke. everything! So they spray gasoline ev- everywhere, and as he who walks behind the rose comes for them, Bert uses the lighter he had for his birthday to light up a Molotov cocktail, throws it, and it doesn't break. So Job, little boss that he is, goes runs out in the corn to grab the, the Molotov, bring it back as he's being chased by he who walks behind the rose, and gives it back, and it's like, throw it right this time. <laughs> and Bert does it. He throws the Molotov out and burns he who walks behind the rose in the entire cornfield and returns to the barn. Good job. Bert, you, you screwed up the first time. You got to throw it a little harder. But uh, Job saves the day. Good stuff. So finally, final scene of the movie, Bert, Vicky, Job, and Sarah, they find their car... Full of corn, not usable. <laughs> and they decide to walk. Basically, kind of, they're making jokes about adopting the kids. But uh, Rachel shows up again. And this is the the, the like the lead priestess yeah, that like was third in, third in command, basically. Yeah, third in command was taking blood from Amos when he was cutting his chest open. The one who stabbed uh, yeah. Bert initially. And she attacks, and Bert constantly sees her coming from the backseat of the car. And dodges her, gets out, and then, like, Vicky slams the car door into her head and knocks her out. It's oh, like, wow, she's out cold. What do we do? It's like the one useful thing Vicky does the whole movie. <laughs> but I, I loved her response because she's like, send her a postcard from Seattle. We're out of here. Yeah, Vicky's just done with this crap. And the four of them leave, and they start walking down the road. And that is the end of Children of the Corn 1. Okay, so we got two new rules in Children of the Corn. We got 36, cults are bad. And rule number 37, keep your eyes on the road. Derek, what do you think of those rules? Uh, well, both of them are highly applicable to all aspects of real life. If you're driving, keep your eyes on the road. And if you're in a cult, try not being in a cult. <laughs> yeah, these are good rules. Cults are bad. These are good rules. Okay. Solid life advice. Solid life advice. Good for surviving horror movies and for surviving life. Uh, so let's get into the awards. First, we have the Randy Meeks Merit Badge, which goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules. They don't necessarily have to live... But they have to have done the best job at following the rules. And this is based off Randy Meeks from Scream, who's like my favorite movie character of all time, my hero. The inspiration for this podcast, because he is the character who came up with his own rules to survive horror movies. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. So, Derek, do you have a nomination for the Randy Meeks Merit Badge? My nomination, although I, I don't think they'll win, Vicky. 
Okay. Vicky is my nomination because she had the right idea every time she spoke up. Let's get out of this town. Let's not do this. She tried to barricade the door. She tried her best in a lot of these situations. Ultimately, Bert was the guiding hand in this movie, and she just kind of followed him. She had the right idea and at least tried to follow the rules. So she'd be my nomination, but I like your nomination much better. Mine is Job. As much as I love Bert, it's got to be Job. You know, Job makes one mistake early in the movie where he calls attention to uh, Joseph's position as he's trying to escape. But from then on, Job is perfect. He's giving advice to Bert. He saves his life. He, he has somehow managed to stay alive in this cult for three years, even though he's not really part of it. But he has kept his head down for the most part, even though he's nine. Um, he has managed to blend for long enough because it's, it's a lot to expect a nine-year-old to run across the state to get help. It's a lot to expect. He's done so well trying to just, just live here and protect his sister. And then when he has the opportunity, he gets involved. He saves Bert. He gives him all the advice he needs to get where he needs to go to save Vicky and stop Isaac and Malachi. And then when he who walks behind the road shows up, Job saves Bert multiple times, gets him out of the corn, runs the irrigation system, gets the Molotov cocktail back, basically saves Bert's bacon the whole time. Had the secret to defeat him in the first place. Yep, and he he learned from past events. He got the piece of paper with the secret to defeat he who walks behind the rose on it. Uh, Apart from his first action of the movie, really, Job does everything right and is really impressive for a nine-year-old especially. So... Without a doubt, I gotta give the Randy Meeks merit badge to Job. And what's funny is the last time I was here, we were talking about how Jamie, I think a 10-year-old and the youngest winner of all time of the Randy Meeks merit badge, and I think you had a quote, it's gonna be hard to find someone younger to win this. We did it. But here we are. Just by complete happenstance, here we are. So, good job, Job. Now we have the Night of the Living Pleb Award, which goes to the character who did the worst job at following the rules. They don't necessarily have to die, but they just have to suck. And this is based off Barbara from Night of the Living Dead, who's just the worst character of all time. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. So, do you have a nomination for the Night of the Living Club Award, Derek? My my only nomination is one that's it's going to seem overly obvious, and I apologize for that, but Malachi. Oh, okay. I mean, cults are bad. Cults are bad. Don't be a menace. Don't kill people. Don't attack people. There are so many things that lead to his untimely demise here. I guess, I mean, you could go with Isaac here too, but I think Malachi was more of the the physical, actual muscle causing the problems here, not just the silver tongue that's convincing everyone to do it. So he's my nomination. I don't necessarily think that he deserves to win because, again, I like your nomination of... And, again, I don't like giving it to the villains too often. Right. We we did it once with Connell Cochran, but... I think that was a little bit of different... It's a different type of movie. Yeah. Um, Halloween 3 is not your typical film. And so with like a slashery movie like this, I don't like giving it to the villain. Um, and, I, and I agree. And I understand that as well. Especially because there was a demonic force. So there was something influencing them. Yes. You know, if, there, if we had found it, it was all fake this whole time. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But I think the real Night of Living Pleb is Deal, the old man mechanic, because he lived here for three years... First of all, cults are bad. They've killed every other adult. What makes you think they're going to spare you forever? Yeah, you're useful for now, but they were trying to make their own gas, so one day he wouldn't be useful. Sent many people to sacrifice, I'm yep. sure. And then all of a sudden one day decides not to? Because why? So you can't be surprised when you're part of a cult and you stop following orders and that they kill you. It, it's, it's just kind of baffling. And then he's so convinced, oh, it was just the wind. 
and then finally goes to try and take on a, like a large group of assailants on his own, which I, I respect the move, but it was stupid. He does basically nothing right this whole movie. Yet. Batting at a zero. He, he's barely in it. He had four or five at-bats, though, if you yeah. really think about it. Yeah, he's got nothing. Yeah, Deal, a.k.a. the old man, is the Knight of the Living Pleb, and he's not living anymore. Okay, Derek, it's time for you to reserve another movie. So, you're, you're Mr. Completionist here. So the question I think on everybody's mind is, Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice, are you going to reserve it? Ah, what is it with me and these 10 movie series? Yeah. Ooh, that'll be fun. Uh, which came out eight years later, because why not? An early 90s slasher movie. What could go wrong? What could go right? Okay, so then it's time to spin the wheel. On the wheel right now, we have A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warrior, Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, uh, Child's Play 2, uh, Leprechaun 2, Saw 2, and Friday the 13th Part 3. So sequels, sequels, sequels on here. 100% sequels. Which sequel are we getting next? Derek, spin the wheel. Oh, no. Derek has done it. He's going to be the first back-to-back guest on the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast. Derek, welcome back for Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. I think your wheel is broken. (laughs) I think your wheel is broken. Oh, that's amazing. That's going to be so much fun. Hello, Paul Rudd. Get ready, Derek. Good Lord. I knew it was going to be this one, too. I knew it. I knew it. You know, I kind of had that feeling, too. Okay. Well, that about does it here. You can follow us at How to Horror, um, and then on Instagram at How to Survive a Horror Movie. Uh, Derek, you got any social media you want to plug? Uh, just the on Wednesdays we wear pink Instagram account, and then also follow me on Twitter at dk underscore ats. Okay. All right. That about does it here. This has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast. Stay safe out there. Uh, uh, uh.